You are listening to Drop Tent Media Network. Uh, my undocumented ass podcast. With Che Guerrero. The winds really change talk. in one direction. They got to harass someone else. I get it. I get exactly. it. Like, people don't realize how just one little access can literally change a whole family's life. Hey, welcome to another episode of My Undocumented Ass Podcast. Uh, this one was, uh, it was a lot of fun, man. I laughed so much. Uh, I got to interview Ivan Perez, a.k.a. Internet Mexican. Uh, we talked about him coming uh, to the U.S. at the age of one. Uh, we talked about his dad's resilience to never giving up when the world beats him down. And we also talk about how we as, you know, undocumented people on the Internet can use our platform to bring a positive image to the community, to, to the public. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. It was funny. It was entertaining. It was it was everything. So enjoy. How are you today, dude? Thank you for taking the day off from work, by the way. I got to <laughs> no, up front. <laughs> no problem, bro. Honestly, I really wanted to take a day off anyway. I'm exhausted. <laughs> What are you? Are you a truck driver? Because I see you in, in in the TikToks. You're in a truck all the time in your car. Uh, no, I uh, I do commercial tires, so like big truck tires and stuff. Oh, you sell them? Oh, you like repair them? I just I just install them, install installs, repairs, stuff like that. Yeah. Oh man, Check fleets. You're you're a handyman right off the top. I love that. I'm, I mean, it's the only thing I know how to do. Honestly, like it's the only kind of work I know how to do. But like as far as like mechanic work or any other sort of stuff, completely useless. Can't can't do it. That's the thing. Like uh, my stepdad, he's he's from Durango. Mm -hmm. So uh, him, his brother, man, they all so handy as hell. And then I read a study recently that said uh, most men like my generation don't have basic DIY skills. And I'm like, yo, that is embarrassing, though. Like, like the fact of my stuff that can build a whole house and I can barely put together like a couch. I'm like, this is this is terrible. I mean, but the only thing I can do is tires and oil changes. Other than that, like, I can't do it, bro. I'm like the least handy person ever. <laughs> do you have your own business? Nah, nah. They, my, my uncle's been pressuring me. He wants me to do it, but I honestly, uh, I don't even want to be in the industry anymore. Nah, honestly. that's kind of something you just fell into because family, like you learned when you were young. Yeah, yeah. It's that in um, see, around 2017, I, I kind of quit this job that I had. Mm -hmm. I, I used to work at Tesla. Really? And, uh, yeah, yeah. So I quit that job because a lot of favoritism stuff. And um, were you selling? But Tesla, no, I was a uh, I was a lead quality inspector, end of line over in uh, at the factory. That's huge, man. Yeah, it was a it was a decent job. The thing is, I, it was too much favoritism. Didn't like yeah. it, so I quit and went to work at this lab. And then that didn't work out, so I found myself unemployed. Yeah. And the only skill I had was tires, so I just got back into it. <laughs> you know what's funny? I just picture you in a porridge, like a glass of water. Like, what the hell am I good at? tires like there we go that was no i was literally the only thing i was sitting there with my wife and i was like damn i was like i need a job I was like, i have no skills at all except that like inspecting cars and doing tires so i was like gotta get back into tires bro that and is exactly always what happened with comedy i was 18 undocumented i was sitting like on the bed with my girlfriend I was like what am i gonna do with my life and she's like you're funny and i was like We'll go from there. We'll take it from there. <laughs> and that's how I started doing stand-up and everything. It's just you just need that one partner to be like, you are good at this one thing. Yeah, no, no. The funny thing about it too was um I did tires with my dad, right? Mm -hmm. So when I got when I got back into it in 2017, I was like, man, this is gonna suck because like they don't really pay that well. Yeah. And then when I got back into it, I was like, actually it turns out it pays really well. I just didn't know how well it could pay because when I worked with my dad, he didn't pay me. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what happens when you work with your parents, man. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, they're the worst capitalists. Exactly, dude. That's yeah, so like when I got into it, they're like, I was like, oh, so what's the pay like minimum wage? They're like, nah, bro, it's 30 bucks an hour and you get benefits. Oh, I was like, what? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Oh man, but that was stealing from me. This is what I got union. I got healthcare. Yeah, I got a union. It was. I was like, damn, dude. Yo, that's so wild. Dude. That was keeping you away from the real tire game for all those years. Uh, dude. I mean, you know what's crazy? It's that these, um, if you were like manual labor jobs that were looked up, down upon. Um, I think this is the pandemic, man. It's really changed. The game. I used to be a nursing assistant making twelve dollars an hour. The pandemic hit, and now I can't even ask for anything less than twenty-five. You mm-hmm. know, which is just—it's just one of these things where I'm like, I went to college, I got an associates. There's no job with my associates that start with like more than fifteen an hour. That's that's a wild world, dude. Uh, I, I went and got my degree. I got a degree in uh, management information systems, and then I graduated and never used it. Wow. Ever. Right. So like, I was telling my wife, like, I went to college, so I wouldn't have to do tires. And that's exactly what I'm doing right now. I, I'm on the same. But I'm I'm. Yeah, man. You know, you keep you know, when I didn't have a degree because I only got a degree like maybe two or three years ago, I, people kept telling me, you know, a degree doesn't really change anything. A degree doesn't change anything. And when you're on the other side, you go, no, you guys, you guys are just saying that because you have your degree. And you don't understand that that that's, that's life changer. And then I got mine. I'm literally like, yo, this shit doesn't do anything for you. Legit. <laughs> I'm 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 making more money off my charm than I am off that degree. Man, and the only reason I got the degree was because um well when I graduated high school 2007 I was like well damn I don't got any papers what am I gonna do I can't work yeah I was like I can't work for my dad but obviously he wasn't paying me so I was like <laughs> I can't I was like I can't really work I was like the only thing I could do is like either just keep working with my dad all day or go and like at least try to learn something and then if, uh, if there's ever any sort of immigration reform then at least I got a degree. Yeah, you know, so I just ended up going to college. Good. So yeah, let's let's go there because man, dude, same thing. Right out of high school, couldn't. Same thing here with me. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit of like you know where you know where you're born and how you came here and everything? I would love to like hear your your story. Yeah, so I was born in a. It's it's a really small town in uh, Nayarit. It's called uh, La Estancia de los Lopez. Okay. Yeah, so I was born there in '89, uh, and then we came out here in 1990. And the way we came out here was uh. My pops basically knew it was like there was no job opportunities or anything in the town, you know, and um, he wanted to come over to the United States to work with one of his brothers who had like a, a tire shop. And he wanted to work out here for a couple of months to buy a, a truck, take it back to Mexico, start a business. The thing what he told me was he got out here and in a month he had a truck. And then next month he was like, well, damn, I have enough money for a house to like rent a house. And then dang, he just kept going. He's like, you know what? It's a lot easier over here. So he ended up calling my mom. And he's like, look, uh, I'm not coming back. You guys are coming over here. Yeah. But, you know, the legal process would have taken too long. And I mean, how Expensive, was he going to get it... us over Yeah. And how was he going to get us over here legally when he was here undocumented himself? Yeah. So, yeah, we ended up, he ended up bringing us over, but like with the peyote and stuff. And oh, wow. I mean, like, and, and the, the thing was like, when uh, I'm trying to, when I try to learn about their stories, the only one who told me their story was my mom and my dad refuses to talk about how he crossed over or anything. I, my mom said it was like traumatic or whatever. So he won't even talk about it. Oh, you were so young. You don't remember. Just like, I was, just, I was a baby. I was a one baby. Year old. One yeah. year old. Oh, wow. Gosh, you were shielded from that. Like, you know, but, uh, that, that you know, I, I've watched a lot of, um, we, we talk about this. Uh, we, we, we talk on TikTok a lot and Instagram 
And I see the amount of, you know, people who are moving to Mexico and Latin America and South America. And uh, and they're just so like, oh, why don't you go back and try to help your country? And then you, you tell me the first thing you tell me is like your dad came here for work. People don't understand how much our people just come here for the job, you know, and, and that 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 if we go back home, we're not going to have those opportunities to get a quick employment like that. I guess people just so ignorant to that fact that, yeah, uh, a dishwasher in America will make more than a doctor in, you know, Nicaragua. You know, it's 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 mm. some people don't understand that. Yeah. No, what's funny, too, is uh, for someone like me, like even after when I found out I was undocumented, like around 18, a question I used to get then was like, well, now that you know you're undocumented, why don't you just go back now and do it the right way? Yeah. I was like, OK, well, I'm going to go back to a place that I've never been to that I don't really like understand like the culture too much. Like Obviously, I, I grew up in Mexican culture, but I don't really understand how it's like there. And honestly, I don't even speak Spanish all that well. So like if I go back, like there's no way for me to really succeed over there. Yeah. Especially because I don't have any of my family over there anymore. I'd be going back and everyone's already over here. I'd be over there on my own. Yeah, I think I think I don't know. A lot of Americans have they're just too um, brainwashed by Hollywood that I think they think every human being can have that hero's journey where it was like he went back to his country. He worked for three months on a farm. And before you knew it, he was president of DR. And you're like, that's not how it's going to go. Like, they think we could all just go back. And, and it's just it's just American arrogance and cockiness. I used to do a joke about it. And, and I got a lot of shit on my uh, on TikTok for it. And I actually really appreciated the Latin community coming for it. I used to do a joke like, oh, you know, so what if I get deported? You know, I have a high school education. What would that make me president in DR? Like, and I realized, like, hey, that's kind of like really cocky. And I, I was like, where did that come from? Yeah, that's American exceptionalism that I was, you know. Yeah. That I think, like, yeah, even if I do go back, I, I was already, I already have enough of this country in me that I could succeed anywhere. I'm like, no, these are these are nations with their people and their communities and their complex. I'm I'm gonna have a really hard time going back there to a place that I've never been. You know, yeah. I, I go to go ahead. No, I say I almost I almost did go back right out of high school, honestly, because I was so yeah. like, yeah, do I was uh once I found out I was undocumented, like, because before I found out, I found out when I was like 16, 17. So, like, before I found out, I had this whole plan. Right. And then when around 67, when I found out, I was like so like disillusioned that I didn't know what I was going to do. Were you a and, good student uh, before then? Oh, hell no, dude. I was I was lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I graduated with a, with a bare minimum GPA to graduate high school, which was like a 2.5. Bro, I was the opposite. I was a fucking egghead, bro. And then like the last semester of my senior year was when I found out I couldn't get a scholarship to St. John's University because mm -hmm. I was undocumented. And I really went fuck school bro i finished up my last semester with like with a two i was like i don't care teachers were yeah. like you're gonna pass but you should really do some work i'm like i don't care i can't even go to college i'm done exactly no what's it for me was i was like i don't need to have a 3.5 or anything like that uh i, I want to join the marines dude oh you know that was my plan was i want to join the marine corps and then afterwards i was going to be a cop which is funny because like now i hate the cops Man, you know, kids, <laughs> young propaganda watching those cop shows, well, you know. I'll, yeah, well, I was in JROTC, you know, that military class. In school, oh, that'll know? do it. That'll do and, it. And we had recruiters coming in speaking to us every week. So I wanted to join the Marine Corps. You oh, know, they got then, a lot of Latin kids like that, man. They had a, you know, we had, yo, we had no like real after school program, but ROTC was in school. Yep. Yep. And we used to have the recruiters come like every week, you know, talk to us. But then when I found I was I was undocumented, I was like, well, damn, I can't do what I wanted to do. I can't really go to college because it's going to be uh, too expensive, you know, because of um, I got to pay in, like out of state tuition. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, one day my uncle called me from Mexico and he's like, 
and he's like, you know, you're gonna be 18 years old. You need to come back. And you need to fight for your country and all this stuff. Because he used to be a federale. So he's like, you need to come back. And he's like, you need to join the army. And for a while, I was like, well, damn, he's right. I really have no future here. I guess I might as well go back and join the Mexican army. But then I started dating my wife. And so I was like, yo, I was like, I told my uncle, I was like, yo, you know, I said I was going to go back. Like, so I met this girl, right? And he's like, ah, cabron, you're not coming. I was like, nah. Nah, That'll was, do it. Every, every yo, yo, there's so many revolutionaries that could have been that they just fell in love. Like, you know, I'm just gonna stay here. Like, you know yeah, bro. And it's like stay here. No, nothing like, wrong with that, bro. No, that's beautiful. I'm, I'm so yeah. happy that you actually, you know, not a lot of us get that, that luck. You know, I, I, we talk about that online. That you know, some of us, our pathway is through marriage, and not all of us get to I genuinely meet someone we love that wants to help mm-hmm. us with this. So, yo, uh, yo, props to, to, to having at that moment. That person coming in is beautiful, you know. Yeah, no, it was it was cool. He was, he was upset. He was upset about it though, because he's like he was like super like nationalistic, and he's like, "You gotta come back." Like, ah, not sorry, dude. I just yeah, feel like I you hung stayed. up on him, and there's like a whole army behind him. Like, he's not coming. Yeah, he's not coming. <laughs> no, you know what's funny was uh, my, my mom later. She's like, "Oh yeah, he was mad because um he I wasn't gonna go back and just join the army. I guess he he pulled some strings here and there and got me into like a military college. Oh, I, and I, I felt like that's why he wanted you to come. He was gonna really put you up there. Yeah, and I was like, oh well, oops, you know, oops. Yeah, and then it was like 2007. Like the drug war had just started like the year prior, so yeah. I was like, yeah, it's probably good I didn't go. Well, I mean, yeah, think about it. You're about to go and get drafted right into something like that. Yeah, because you were gonna go to school for it. You were gonna train for it. That's yeah. wow, oh my gosh. It, you know, it's crazy because like I, I I make the mistake of never really getting too deep into the roots of back home, but your fam, your dad, your uncle was a federale. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, and, and now he's a professor at a university. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh my god, dude. That's 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 really cool, man. Like I'm I'm proud of my family too that actually stayed. And I have a cousin in DR who opened up a studio and is is helping Dominican bachateros like put out their first albums, and I'm like you know, it's, you know, people always go, uh, what's your American dream? And I heard somebody go, man, nobody ever asked me what's my mes- Mexican dream. You know, like, mm-hmm. so those are, those are the kind of things that I wish maybe could have gone another way. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, where'd you meet your wife? Uh, I actually met her in high school. She was a year older than me. Okay. And when she graduated, we kind of just would text here and there. Right. And then when I was about to graduate and I was going through all this and I was thinking about going back, we started texting a little bit more, you know, flirtatiously. And then, you know, Eventually, because uh, because because I, I up to that point I'd never dated. She's my first girlfriend, right? You know, so uh, at that point I was like, you know what? I texted her. And I was like, listen, you know, I, I'm not. I don't know how this dating thing works. So I just want to know because it feels like we're flirting. Yeah. Do, you like, you know, do you like me? And she's like, yeah. So I was like, yeah. all right, let's go on a date. And then yeah. you know, the rest is history. Got married. <laughs> Did you? Uh, how how was it? Uh, in, you said 2012. Yeah, that's when we got married. So we started. We we got together in like 2008, and then we got married. In, 2012. Wow, you're you're younger than me, so it's 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 kind of funny to hear you know people's immigration story that are so like mm-hmm. contemporaries because you're like, oh yeah, we we're going through the same thing at the same time. Like that's I usually <laughs> I usually feel like people are like, oh you know, I've been through this in the 60s. I'm like, oh no, dude, this happened to us in the 90s and 2000s. Yeah, yeah. It, it almost feels like yeah, it almost feels like all the stories you hear of like you know the you know mexican movement undocumented movement it was like 60 and like you know cesar chavez and that si se puede so it just feels like like i said more contemporary people in the movement you don't really get to see now on tiktok maybe but mm. that's why it's really interesting to talk to someone who's gone through it 
Yeah. Hey, and just curious, did, did you always know you were undocumented or was that something that you just like, it was like surprise? It wasn't, it wasn't a surprise, but um, I was really like, like naive when I was a kid. I was, I was very like, I just want to have fun. My mm. thing, you know, like any kid, right? So um, I also have privilege, like I'm light skinned, you know, whatever. I grew up in New York City, so I was never bothered by it. So there were things that my parents would tell me, like I knew like, yo, don't even jaywalk because if the cops pull, you know, stop you and they ask if you're NYPD cops or assholes. So there was these things that my parents were like, you know, yo, you don't have papers for this. You don't have your documents for that. But it wasn't until I was going to college mm. and I was like, hey, I need my social. I need this to get this scholarship. And my aunt had to sit me down. I was like, OK, well, we keep telling you you're undocumented. I, I don't think you're understanding the severity of what we're telling you. And that's when it kind of wait, I can't get a scholarship. I can't get a driver's license. I can't. And then I was like, I can't, I can't get this. And I can't get that. So what can I get? The fuck out? Like, that's just that's basically, that's basically what they told me. Or just, you know, be under the radar. So that's when, you know, I stopped caring about school because it's, it, that's, you know, I, I was, I always thought that working hard will somehow like, I don't, people wouldn't care about my status. If they're like, oh, this kid's smart. This kid's bright. Look at him, whatever, you know, be the good one. And then when I realized, you know, almost out of high school, that it didn't matter how good I was, that they were still going to be like, no, you have no papers. It just, it, it broke me for a while. And that's why comedy helped me kind of, um, I, I always told myself, I was like, you know what? The only thing I have, uh, if I don't have any citizenship or anything, is I had the First Amendment, freedom of speech. Mm. I mean, I think that might be the only one I have. So that's why I started doing stand-up comedy, because I was like, I can go up there and just talk. And right. they pay me too, cash. So that's that's sort of like my first, uh, the first time I really realized like, holy shit, like this is real. Right. Yeah. And it was a little later on, I was like maybe 17, you know, just, just uh, freshman Like year. around the same time that I found yeah. out. Yeah, 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 16, 17. Yeah, I'm a very hard learner. Like I really need to get hit over the head with something for me to be like, oh, that's what y'all meant. Like I, you can't tell me something directly because I'm like, I have no idea what you mean, you know? But once I get into an accident, did I know? Yeah, no, what's it for me was uh, I told my mom, hey, I'm joining the Marine Corps. And she's like, you can't. And I was like, well, you know, it's because I'm 17. I can't. But once I turn 18, you know, I don't need the permission. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, Same no, you can't. Yeah. She's like, Mira, no, bruto, listen, I can't. <laughs> no, and she goes, she goes, well, you're not a citizen. I was like, yeah, but we got, we got Marine cards, though, right? And she's like, nope. No. I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. And yeah, after that, I was just kind of like, whatever, dude. Yeah, no, you I, know, they tell me you got to go to college. Like, why? I can't. Because I, I used to see colleges like job training. So I was like, why? I can't even get a job after. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, you're not wrong. It is job training it's for your job training. So then you're like, I mean, you know, a lot of our like our friends, you know, mm. you know, undocumented became, you know, uh, principals. But still, like, you know, it's very difficult. Luckily, some states are starting to change their policies where they don't mm. require citizenship anymore to go for jobs. Because they they know that a lot of their citizens aren't going to school, you know, aren't right. doing that. We are, mm -hmm. you know. Well, how did you? How did you wind up just straight up cash going to all that school? No, so I mean, on I, I was actually pretty pretty uh, lucky that you know my dad's business was doing pretty well. Okay, so since okay. I could I couldn't get uh, actually his his first business crashed after like you know the two thousand eight economic like mm -hmm. collapse went under. But he, he had kept, a house, he, everything like he was. Doing yeah, a lot. Yeah, we lost the house. We uh, and actually, it's it started before two thousand eight because like two thousand eight when like it collapsed. But obviously, there was people who started you know feeling it before that. Mm -hmm. So around like two thousand five, two thousand six, we lost our house. It mm -hmm. gone. His business went under, and like there was a point where he didn't even have any food. You know what I mean? So like um, 
yeah, dude. Uh, I, I completely lost my train of thought. What no, you know, I, no, 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 no. And just, you know, just no. How'd you end up going to college? But it's something, something yeah. funny you said that right there for a moment. You said the recession hit in 2008, but yeah. it hit you around 2005, 2006. That is actually my, my stepdad. He, you know, undocumented painter, mm -hmm. right? He paints people's houses. He's talking about that the amount of work is going down tremendously. He's very freaking yeah. out people. So it's, it's these, you know, these, these laborers that are the first ones like, yo, it's really hard because the first thing people start cutting out is those, you know, luxuries. Like, oh, I'm not going to get my house painted right now. I'm right. not going to get, you know, my tires changed as often. I'm not going to get this. We're the well, first ones to hurt. And then it hits the rest of the economy. Well, the, the reason it hit, it hit, it hit my dad so hard though, is that like around 2005 ish, he, his business was doing really well, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what happened was his brother and him ran the business, and then his brother got hooked on drugs and left. And my dad took it over, <laughs> and it started doing really, really good. And then he invested in real estate, which was what oh. you know, collapsed the whole goddamn economy. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing what really I good. Yeah. Oh my so we're, we're doing we're doing real good. Oh you my know, god! Then, I'm sorry because I yo, see the hope in his eyes. Like I got my own business. I'm gonna yeah. buy property. Nothing can go wrong. December I still 2007. I still, remember, <laughs> I still remember him being so stoked when he yes. told me. He's like, "We just bought six houses in Arizona." He's like, "We're about to move over there." Holy each crap. of them has has an acre. Like like the ba each backyard is one acre. I was like, "All right, cool. That's dope." And then, like, 2006, it's like, all right, we got to move. Uh, we lost the house. <laughs> we lost. We lost one house. We got six more. Oh, seven. Yeah, seven no, we lost, yeah, we lost all of them. We got to move somewhere. I, I remember. It's pretty, like. Okay, pretty no, like, not to, moment, not to disrespect your dad, but, you know, like, that was, <laughs> no offense, but that was kind of the biggest problem was that these loans were given out. They were giving, these banks were giving out loans left and right to people who, who were hard workers but might not have the you know, yeah. the, the income to, 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 to give it back. So it's, it's a little bit like what was happening using people, you know, uh, immigrants, a lot of them, how, how good is it that's English? Cause I hear a lot of this was also, it, 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 he sounds like Senor Baragan. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, like, like it's good, but he still has like an accent a little bit. And especially back yeah. then, you know, you know, it, it got and better it's gotten, over time. It's gotten way better over time. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of loan stuff, he might've like, oh crap, I did this, I'm into this, you know, mm -hmm. cause these banks were, you know, using that language barrier as a way to fuck you over. Yeah, yeah. But after that happened, he started rebuilding his business uh, and he started rebuilding it out of just a service truck, out of a pickup truck. And so by the time that 2008 came about, he reopened a new shop. And that's when I was, you know, like uh, I was in Cheshire T University. Yeah. And that's how I ended up paying for it because uh, I was just like, listen, um, I'll work for you if you like, uh, you know, as long as you help me pay for school. And he was like, yeah, bet. You know, that's, you know, I didn't yeah. get paid, but he would help me with school. Yeah. But at the same time, he had me working like 18 hour days <laughs> the entire week. But, you got to do your homework when you're done. <laughs> hey, you know, one time, one time, um, I was like, hey, you know, uh, I need a little bit more spending cash because like he, he'd only gave me like 100 bucks a week you know, for working. And he's like, 18 he's like, hour oh, days, 100. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he, and he, he was like, oh, you need a little bit more money? Like, hey, uh, get a second job. Oh, I was like, bro. Bro. <laughs> so, well, first of all, you know my paper situation, you asshole. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it was funny is that um I did have a I, I still did have a, a a social. It just said not valid for employment. Yeah, my suit not valid with a work permit. Yeah, no so I, 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 I went to uh to work and I showed them I showed it to the to the guy and he's like I was like oh don't worry I'm I'm getting that taken care of but we can use that for now and I'll I'll give you the new one once it comes yeah. in. 
He was just like, whatever. You know, it was like some little minimum wage job. You know those dudes at the theater that ask you, you know, do you have a moment to take a survey? I was oh, one yeah. of those dudes. <laughs> okay, yeah, so the yeah. boss was like, whatever, dude. You're probably not going to stick here long. Your face Oh, sucks. my God. I, yeah, I have my I have my, uh, I have my only valley with a work permit, but uh, I had to get someone to, like, uh, remove that. That's what yeah. I do. <laughs> I have somebody to remove that, and then uh, I just go to work. That's my social. That's my social. That's what's up. Yep. That's what's up. You know, yeah. Yeah, my, I, I would ask. I would do that, too. I would, like, remove it, and I'd call ahead. It's like, is it cool if I just bring a photocopy? You know? Yeah. Yeah, sure yeah <laughs> oh my god the things we had to do bro oh yeah. man i yeah that's well that's all i paid for college was working working for my dad uh you know i just work a bunch of hours and then when it came time to pay tuition i'd be like all right check it out i worked all summer 18 hour days seven days a week here's what i need for tuition here's what i need for books yeah and we're like all right cool here you go you know man that's so that's how i got that done that's so respectable, man. It's like it's like he, the guy had ups and downs and ups and downs, but he did not mm-hmm. let anything keep him. Are you is are you the the only child? Nah, I got a little sister. She was born here though. That's what I was gonna say. Is it like yeah? Mm-hmm. Is that she's a citizen? She's like the you know the, the different status in the family. She's mm-hmm. she was the one that grew up with like papers and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. to the store, go to the store. You're the one with papers. And honestly, she's also she's all like super smart too. So like uh, like now that she got to, you know, she graduated from college already, but when she got to college, she was, she got in there with like a 4.0 GPA. Wow. Oh, like, oh, cool. All this pressure off my shoulder, because now <laughs> I'm I'm like I. I I, I'm over here. I'm not gonna be able to support mom and dad with like the job that I have and the fact that I don't have paper. I go, it's on you. You know, sorry to put that pressure on you, but yeah. that's on you. You're the one with the papers and the status <laughs> and all the benefits. Good job. Good. You know, you got it. She got yeah. it. There's yeah, always that one. It. I'm unfortunately, I think I'm the one that has to retire my mom. I don't know how the hell I'm gonna do it, but but I'm the hey. one that yeah. That pressure becomes real. You know, like uh, I used to joke around. You know, like unfortunately, you know, immigrant kids we become our our uh, our parents' retirement plan. Yeah. So when my mom, my mom found out that I was gonna be a comedian. It's like when white people saw Enron just crash. They were like, "No, coño, mira todo eso." <laughs> you know, so so I feel bad for her. But she, she, she's my mom. Actually, the only thing my mom, I laugh so hard. The only thing my mom thinks that is the only thing I've done that has any kind of like, oh my god, I can't believe he did this. Is that I'm friends with uh, Carlos Espinosa on TikTok. That is the oh. only thing that my mom ever finds to be like, "Wow, you did that." And I'm like, "Yep." I did that. You know what's funny is um. No one, no one in my in my like personal life takes any of that seriously. So like the TikTok stuff that you do, yeah, yeah, any of it. Yeah. So like today, I was like coming on the podcast. I was excited as hell. I was telling my wife, I'm like, yeah, man, this dude's funny as hell. I'm going to flash this and he's on. She's like, who's that? Yeah, oh, I was like, real? Like, oh, I was like, so I had to sit there and explain and all that. And I was like, yeah, man. And she's just like, all right, well, have fun. You know, is, with your, is your wife show. also Hispanic? Uh, she's from here, so she, yeah, technically, I guess you know, Chicana. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but uh, they're from here, so like they lost all the Hispanic part of being Hispanic. No Spanish, none of that. It's not even. It's it's the immigrant experience too. You know, I I'm reading a lot of books about journalism and uh, and a lot of things. I was telling my uh, my engineer Jesse that I'm reading this book called Propaganda, right? And he's like, oh, "Yo, I man, watch it." <laughs> you do by uh, Byron's. He's actually the the great great grandfather of the CEO of Netflix. Mm-hmm. But he, he wrote it right, right after Nazi Germany, right? And the one thing that was very interesting is that, you know, he goes, propaganda is now just called public relations. You know, mm-hmm. that's what, what it is. You know, you work for a business. You try to, like, be like, hey, we're, you know, we're doing this for this business. It's propaganda. Everybody does it. And when I read that, I realized, like, what we're doing is we are being public relations 
you know, people for the immigrant community. You know, not not mm-hmm. that we're the good immigrants, but the kind of like when we're doing like, hey, listen, when white people talk about our community this way, we don't like it. You know what I mean? The misinformation that you're putting out, this is the right information. You know, so mm-hmm. people don't outside of our circles might not take what we're doing like, okay, you guys are on TikTok, make a little bit. It's like, no, we're actually part of a community that's actually trying to put positive information out about undocumented people and immigrants you know so it's yeah it's our passion you know so, so that's why even i told my partner i'm like oh my god you know i'm gonna you know i got ivan i got you know i'm talking to i'm in this group with you know with angel and carlos i'm doing this and i got all these great people that i'm doing stuff with and she's like cool and i'm like yeah. that's probably one of the best chat groups in the immigrant community but whatever like you don't care like you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah. So that's i'll be super excited and she's just like okay have fun yeah you know i'm like you know what's funny is i never expected my tiktok to get you know up to what it got to anyway or to like make any other kind of videos because when i first made my tiktok i just made it to annoy my sister-in-law she was like i think she's like 12 years old at the time she's doing <laughs> <a little TikTok laughs> Yeah, and I was like, well, I'm going to make it. I was like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to dance, too. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to dance, too, and watch, you know. And I was, like, teasing her about it. And I think, like, a week into having TikTok, I made a video complaining about traffic that, for some reason, that blew up, you know. And so I started, like, texting her, like, screenshots, like, look, 10,000 followers. What are you at? 20? You know? You know, and then it just just went up from there because I think, what, what what started getting me more followers was one day I just I was like, hey, here's a fun fact about Mexican history, and then I went to sleep and I woke up. It's like, here you have twenty thousand new followers. Like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. And that's what I like about you know, you sit there, you know, you, you do give history, you do give like talk about other people and stuff like that. And it's it that's what it was about amazing about TikTok. You know, it's it's I didn't expect to start doing stuff about on uh you know the undocumented community. I actually started <laughs> because my next door neighbor was this white woman, right? And, like, I found out, like, after hanging out, because they have a kid, so we're, like, oh, let's hang out with their kids or whatever. And I found out, like, she was, like, a racist. She liked Trump. And I was, like, I'm done with that family. I don't want to hang out with them. But one time I was hanging out with them, and she was, like, oh, hey, I got 3 million views on a video on TikTok. And I was, like, what the hell did you do to get 3 million views? And she's, like, oh, I found out that popsicles, fudgesicles, uh, you could actually eat four at a time. Like, 100 calories is four popsicles, so it's four servings. And Mm -hmm. I saw the video, and it got 3 million views, and I was, like, Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You got 3 million views and 8,000 followers from literally just realizing that you can eat four popsicles? I got real stuff to talk about. I'm going to get on that, John. You know, and then like, mm-hmm. you know, two months later, I had like 10,000 followers and she was like, oh, get it for you. I'm like, yeah, because I'm talking about politics. I'm talking about popsicles and Trump. I don't give a fuck. You know, but but that one interaction was like, yeah, I almost did it to spite her a little bit. And then I just kept going. Yeah, now you got a pretty decent platform on there. I, I, the platform, you know, the numbers are great. You know, mm-hmm. that I'm very happy. The last two weeks have been like incredible growth because of the Latinx news that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. But most oh, I of, love that. <laughs> uh, thank you. I have a lot of fun writing. I, I've always, I'm, I'm a comedian. Mm-hmm. So I've always loved the Daily Show, the, you know, uh, late night, I, late show, Stephen Colbert. I run through the gambit every morning I wake up and actually watch like Stephen Colbert. Then I watch Seth Meyers. Then I watch Trevor Noah. Then I watch Jimmy Kimmel. So I love writing so much that when I literally just by accident made this one like breaking news, we're getting our food stolen. And I wrote a few jokes. People were like, yo, this is really funny. And I was like, yo, literally the last 10 years of watching all these late night shows every day made me realize I know how to write a late night show. Mm-hmm. So I just made this like our late night show for us, the kind of things that bother us that we want to talk about. Right. And that was um, and that's, you know, that's and like I was saying above the 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 followers. I just love the fact that my community actually likes likes what I do. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that um 15 years of of doing comedy in front of white people 
and them constantly going, maybe you should be less of this and maybe you should be less of that. Or why were you joking about, uh, you know, this or literally standing up during my act and be like, I'm done with your racist shit. I'm like, literally, I'm talking about white people, you know, like, like, right. like you know, it wasn't being racist, literally just talking about like white, you know, people doing some shit or whatever. And, and that really hurt my career and it just made me feel terrible about what I was doing, you know, and then coming on TikTok and, and doing that and seeing like, you know, keep it going, brother. I love it, man. Canta, coño, si. You know, I'm just like, mm -hmm. oh, God, I was just in front of the wrong people. Right. You know, that was what was breaking my heart. You know, you get to that. You, do you do any kind of art or anything? I mean, uh, aside from this, did you ever do anything like? I I mean, I, I like art. I used to draw a long time ago, but I quit doing that. Because um, like you put out a lot of information, so that means you've always been like an avid reader and stuff like that. Yeah, but uh, I mean, like, I, 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 like, I, the stuff that I used to read before is like, honestly, here I got an example. It's like nerdy fantasy stuff, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then after I, I started doing the Mexican history stuff, I was like, well, you know what? Um, that people seem to like that, so I got to start reading into you know more like Mexican history. And so now I've got like this whole shelf full of like. Oh, the you know massacre of Chinese immigrants in Mexico in 1911. It's like okay, I'll read that, and then all this other you know about the Mexican Revolution and the War of Independence. It's all stuff I always have sort of surface level like knowledge of. But I was like, if I'm gonna do this, I gotta like dive deep into it. So I've been reading a lot more about it. I respect that a lot, man. Um, I actually you know once I started in the the, the Latinx news, I went out to the library uh, last week and I took out three books on like the theory of journalism precision journalism and like uh, the elements of journalism and i was just like i'm reading them all because i i really want to learn how to sort of like really bring journalism and then do the jokes you know i already i already did yeah. 15 years of jokes so like i'm I, I get like that too man when something inspires me i'm like i want to learn for real and i just bring people bs yeah yeah no and what's funny is like the more i've been uh looking into it um like it's just like I've been looking more into the history and then I just start finding stuff like randomly as I'm researching, I'll randomly find stuff about like my own family. Wow. Like I was learning about uh, the Mexican Revolution and then coming to find out that like members of my family fought in the revolution uh, against, you know, Porfirio Diaz as part of the, the Maderista army. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. It's, it's pretty crazy. And then the more I start doing research on like other historical topics, what's funny is I started finding um, like academic papers that were actually written by my uncle and stuff. So I was wow. like, oh, this is crazy. I was like, you know, so it's been it's been pretty cool. Yeah, no, it, it's it, it becomes really touching when you start going on your family history and you start mm -hmm. to not just realize that your pat your your family lived in Mexico. Mexico, right? That's that's what we're yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Your family lived in Mexico, but they were part of Mexico, you know. Like mm -hmm. when I find out that my uh one of my uh, my great grandfather started a newspaper in the Dominican Republic called the 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 least the listing or the lisping, I believe it's called. It's actually still around today. And that he was the person in, in the Caribbean who was like following Marcus Garvey around when Marcus Garvey was doing his, um, you know, black power movements in the Caribbean, they brought it here. And he's one of the people that inspired Malcolm X. So it was one of those things that I was like, Oh my God, my grandfather was reporting on an individual who in the DR, you know, these papers are in books and yeah. it, it just, and he started this newspaper and then my grandfather uh, was so apparently the newspaper was not anti Trujillo, but was kind of moderate. So mm -hmm. my grandfather was against the Trujillo regime. And he actually had to escape to Guatemala for a few years as an exile and stuff that I never heard of that I had to find out on Wikipedia about my own family. And I was just like, <laughs> did grandpa have to go to Guatemala for a while? And he's like, yeah, that happened for a while. And I'm like, this is literally a newspaper that you guys are not telling me my 
family. And it just made me feel so much like, oh, my God, like that, you know, Latin American history. Like my family was there, but I was so removed at such a young age. And just, you know, you grow up in America, you forget it. Yeah. You don't even think about it. It's what made me sad. Yeah, that's the, that's the one thing that like why I ultimately got into making more Mexican history content is uh, when, when I make my video on my first Mexican history video was Squadron 201. That's mm. the fighter squadron Mexico sent to the Philippines to fight against the Japanese during World oh, War II. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, when I made that, there were people like, oh, I didn't know about that or I never heard about that. And I was like, oh, cool. If you think that's cool, have you ever heard of like Los Niños Héroes, which like these six military cadets? I think the youngest one was like 12 years old uh, during the Mexican-American War. Uh, mm. When they were uh, told to retreat from the Chapultepec Castle after the Americans were like attacking it, they said, "No, we're not going to retreat." And they kept fighting, and then they they died in battle, wow. right? And and then the people were like, "Well, I never heard about that." And I was like, "Well, damn, you know, it makes sense." We grew up in the United States. We learned American history, and we don't really get to learn about our own people and where we come from. So you know, that's why I ended up getting into all this. You know, what's funny it, learning about all this is after I learned that like my own family were part of the Maderista rebels. I was like, oh, cool. My family fought against like a dictator. That's so awesome. I wonder what else the Maderistas did. Yeah. And you look into it, it's like, oh, yeah, they, they engaged in like a racial attack against Chinese immigrants. And you're just like, I don't really want to. I, I probably shouldn't be proud of this. This is horrible. <laughs> I mean, not yet. Dude, I'm not looking back at the newspapers, you know, and I see some of those articles that were like, you know, anti-Haitian. You know, and, and, you know, and by the way, like, you know, talk about the propaganda, that's how my, you know, my family was part of that propaganda for like anti, and I'm just like, that, that hurts, you know, that yeah. generally hurts. And sometimes my partner will go, I'll tell her like, oh, you know, I wish I had grown up in DR, you know, maybe my life would have been like that. And she goes like, you know, if you might have, you are a trigueño, you know, which means like I'm almost white in DR, uh, you would have had a lot of privileges. You might not have the love for like the Haitian community and the black community. You might have, you know, and I, you think about it, my grandfather literally wrote a newspaper where he was anti-Haitian. I'm like... You know, some of that stuff might have seeped yeah. in me. So there's some good of, you know, growing up. I'm never, I never am the kind of person like struggle will make you stronger. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. when you grow up without privilege, it makes you very much see what the privileged people don't, you know, what's, you know, like, like I always, I forget where I heard, like, you can learn more from the oppressed about the oppressor than anyone else. You know, that's why, mm -hmm. like, when women talk about the shit things that men do, I shut up because I'm going to learn a lot about the from the oppressed, you know, what is that is oppressing, you know? So that's why when I talk about the immigration issue and you see white people stitching me, be like, um, actually, that's not how it works. I'm like, you don't know how to shut up for a minute. Like, I'm very happy with shutting up for a minute and learning something. You don't exactly. know how to do that. Exactly. People just can't do that. They always get, that's the thing about TikTok too. Sometimes you see people who just want to like, just get into it just because they want to just talk. They just want to have like the views, you know? And, and that's why your stuff resonates because you're like, I learned this. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm bringing you, you know, a, a well thought out idea. Yeah, actually, what I just had recently someone try to like they, they, they try to guess, like shut me up or whatever. I was talking about, oh, are the American are the American are countries in the Americas built on stolen land? So I saw kind of what I was talking about. This guy actually he's like, actually, uh, Mexico's territory wasn't stolen because they sold it. And then he brought up the Gadsden Purchase, which happened in like 1854. And I was like, you realize that? sliver of land that was sold was like a small sliver if we're talking about stolen land then you'd have to talk about the secession of like 1848 after the mexican-american war which i usually refer on tick on TikTok, i refer to it as the war of american intervention right like they yeah. took half of mexico's yeah. like territory i was like that part is stealing you're talking about gadsden purchase which came out like years later and it was only a small sliver and the only reason they sold that land was to cover debts that were incurred trying to protect their country from an american invasion 
I was surprised that the, the, you said Gaston Persian 1853 and somebody would try to bring that up as like something like, I gotcha. Like, unless they said it was like in 900 BC or something like that, I'm like, oh, well, you know, it was a long time. You know what I mean? You're talking about yeah. after the atrocities, you made one treaty and like, this is the one that, that showed us. No, there was, there was actually a video I had taken down recently, which I thought was finished from like 2020. And it was basically the same argument. And so if you want to talk about stolen land, they said, well, it wasn't stolen. It was, it was conquered, which is like another argument they like to, to use a lot and i was like okay let, let, let's you know completely disregard the fact that it was taken from the country and let's talk about the people that were living in the territory because after that territory was annexed by the united states where a lot of mexicans that stayed behind and then afterwards a lot of these states they got annexed like a lot of the governments got taken over by you know yeah uh, americans and they started passing like all, a lot of different like tax laws in english that people <laughs> they annexed couldn't really understand and yeah. the whole purpose of these laws was to basically I guess, for lack of a better term, trick these people into losing their land. Yeah. I go, so that's another way in which this land was stolen from the people that were, you know, already on it. Because mm -hmm. originally, the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo was supposed to protect the property rights of the people that stayed after the territories were annexed, oh. and it, it didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 I'm listening to, I've listened to a lot of great books, but I, I've heard a lot about the uh, Mexican and the California elites, who mm -hmm. after that still had a lot of property, but the systemic dismantling by, you know the white supremacists of the land, you know, it just, it just, it, there was a moment of still after, you know, that it got mm -hmm. axed, there was still a strong, you know, rich Mexican community, but man, white people, bam. Yeah. You know, one and by in one. Pla in places like Texas, they didn't even do it through laws. It was in 1910, 1920, they had the period La Matanza, the yeah. slaughter. You know, I saw a lot of like uh, McAllen Brownsville came out of those slaughters that the white landowners got those lands. What the branches or whatever? Yeah, yeah like McAllen and like those, well, those. one of the slaughters was the Fort Venid massacre, where um I think it was the Texas Rangers, which killed a lot of Mexicans around that time, showed up to the town of Fort Venid and basically uh -huh. accused the townsfolk of engaging in uh, raids against like the ranches that were owned by white people. Mm -hmm. uh, arrested them, found no evidence, and then let, let the villagers go, only to come back two days later and take 15 men with them and two two boys out to the hills and then just executed them. And some of those men that got executed just happened to have like deeds for like hundreds of acres of land. Yeah. You know, and then eventually the people obviously were scared for their lives, so they took off. Yeah. The town got demolished and well, they got stolen basically. Where do, um, if you don't mind me asking, because uh, where where in the country you live? You live in the Southwest area? I live in uh, California. Live in California? Okay. Yeah. I, 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 go ahead. I used to live in the Bay Area. <laughs> oh, you used to live in the Bay Area? Oh, you got, you got, you got yeah. it priced out? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. like two years ago, it sucks. Bro, I we live in the same life. <laughs> New York City got priced out. Like, that's where I grew up. Like, so, so I'm a city kid, and then it was like, I can't take this anymore, man. It, it was it was too much. Because uh, I haven't gotten too much of the Southwest. So that's why I find a lot of my uh, audience, you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of in that area, Texas, Arizona, Nevada, California. So I'm like, I want to put on shows. So next time, you know, I do like a live event. I would love, man, you're so funny, dude. I would love for you to come on a live show and like be like my co-host during the live event. Oh, or I don't want, bro. I, I get stage fright, bro. I'm super, I'm, I mean, I seem like maybe on like, on Twitter, I'm super shy, bro. I'm like super introverted. Oh man, that's that, but that that's the same thing. Like after shows, I like to be by myself in a corner. Like it's just once you get, you know get upstairs and start, I get on stage and start talking. Like you know, it's you know, you're so funny. Literally, just this would just be like on a live event it would be awesome. Uh, we're gonna wrap up here in a few minutes. Um, before we go, anything that you kind of like uh want to promote or want to tell people about? I mean, I know you're you're uh, TikTok, internet Mexican. Same thing on Instagram as well. Uh, well. Internet Mexican on Instagram is my private one. That's the one that I keep to just my family. But the oh, other one is okay. like, yeah, yeah. The other one I do is Internet Mexican show. Like if they look up Internet Mexican, it's private, and that's at the request of my wife. Who 
<laughs> it was like, it's like, I don't want somebody to recognize you while we're walking yeah. out and then we get, you know, shot or something. But yeah, yeah I mean, no, uh, we do certain stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've already been, I've been recognized a few times. The thing is that freaked me out about that was it started happening after I started getting death threats, you know, cause uh, I made, I made a video after January 6th about Ashley Babbitt and I was like, well, maybe she should have complied. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, who are you talking about? Oh, the lady, the lady, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I was, she should have yeah, been like, rampaging the Capitol. <laughs> yeah, I was like, maybe she should have complied. I was like, listen, we don't know the whole story. The cops have a dangerous <laughs> job, you know. You know, she's no angel, you know, all that crap. Yeah. And then someone sent me a message like, Is this your address? And it was like three years ago. Oh, shit. so I was yeah, like, yeah. nice try. Yeah, and that yeah. turned into a whole thing. I started getting death threats, whatever. Wow, not I, I, not, not, yeah, knock on wood. I still, you know, have not gotten people coming at me like that, but it, it'll happen. It'll happen. Yeah. I know you're coming I mean, for me. I'm mean, not gonna do anything. They're cowards in real life. They like to talk big. They talk know? big, and they're also very, very, very sad people. Yeah, you know, I, I, I wish, I wish they could pull themselves out of it. To be honest, with you. I always have hope for people. You know, I mean, I mean, you could honestly, like, I know now I'm like a little bit more left leaning, but Maybe eight years ago, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation because I'd be probably if TikTok existed eight years ago, I'd probably be on there talking about like, well, it's interesting how 13 percent of the population because I, I used to be falling down that alt-right rabbit hole way back. Bro, honestly, speaking truth, truth, man, if it had been like eight years ago, I probably would have been like, man, you ladies don't understand Andrew Tate. You know what I mean? It's like, but now it's like, thank God that that, that poison has been, you know, through, through, you know, through time and, and maturity mm -hmm. and, you know, having a great partner who's like super strong. She's like, listen, you are so wrong about that kind of shit. And if you want to be with me, I need that out of you, you know? So I was able to have a partner, you know, she's also like, I would say this, like, I love the fact that my, my partner is a dancer because mm -hmm. seeing someone who's like, you know, a, you know, a dancer and seeing the way society views them and then going to the club and getting to talk to other women like literally be like yeah this is how they treat us i'm like wow i really do have a lot to learn and a lot of through time you know i, I got to just really you know get rid of a lot of stuff so trust me man yeah eight years ago mm -hmm. would have been a very different beast on on yeah, yeah. on tiktok it, yeah and you know what tiktok is great because it gave me access to a lot of different people's like voices and their opinions Same. so over time like like you said you shut up and listen to some people yeah. you know and yeah like when you know uh drew uh a flow with the, <laughs> the laugh, the, the girl who always, like, takes down toxic men. I don't think I've seen her. There is some, she has, like, millions of followers. There are sometimes will she will take down a toxic dude. And I'm like, oh, shit, I might have thought like that for a minute. You know what I mean? Yeah. That I'm just like, oh, yeah. thank God I'm watching somebody else being taken down. Because this is, this is terrible thinking. And I know I've thought like this. Oh, dude, you the, the thing, the thing was for me was in 2020 was, like, oh, why do Mexicans always say, like, the N-word? Well, not, like, with a hard R, but, like, you know, like, yeah. And and I was like, well, like, isn't isn't that kind of okay? Then I started listening to people like talking about it. I was like, damn, I, I fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I should, yeah. yeah, I'll take that one too. I take that L. Go up in New York City. Think the the N word as a Dominican always always. I say I used to do a joke where like, listen, as a Dominican, what I do is I say the N word and then I leave the room before anybody questions it. You know, because then they'll be there like, wait a minute, can he? Can he not? He's a, he's in a, he's in another borough already. Don't question it. Nah, I had nobody question me on it. So um, I always thought like it's cool because it's hip hop. And then one day I asked my buddy, uh, his name's Tim. He's African American. I was like, hey, bro, when I use it, does it does it bother you? And he's like, well, I know you don't mean it in a racist way. He goes, but I would prefer that you did it. No, I was like, got it, bro. Respect, so, man. Respect. You know, and then, uh, yeah, that, that's around the time that I got on TikTok and I started listening to a lot of different people talk about it. And I was like, yeah, all right, cool. Gotta, I got to cut that out then, you know, because, you know, yeah, sure, it's in hip-hop music. That doesn't mean I'm 
you know, that's something that I could be saying and stuff like exactly. that. And, and, you know, especially if people are telling me that it's causing harm or whatever, mm -hmm. then it's better that I just listen to them and, you know. It's same thing, dude. I had to, I had to really awake to the fact that you know there is, there is black culture, there is you know black community, there is Hispanic community. You know, we there might be love for each other, but there still needs to be a mutual respect where you know, hey, you know, we draw lines on some things. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know where to draw the line sometimes with that, so I get exactly what you're saying. Right, uh, dude, man, yeah. Uh, real quick, give them where, where could they find you? If they want to find you. You said uh, Internet Mexican TV yeah, now or show. Oh, Internet Mexican show on on uh, Instagram. Internet Mexican just on on uh, on YouTube. And Internet Mexican on Patreon, and the Patreon is free. I don't charge or anything on there. There is a $3 thing that's like if you want to support. Other than that, I don't charge because, you know, it's Mexican history, and I feel like that belongs to everybody. Donate. Oh, I, I love that. Yeah, donate. Yeah. Donate. He's going to give you Mexican history, but donate <laughs> where you can. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah, so I put it on there for free. Uh, I try to write articles on there every month. Right now I'm doing research on it. And there's so much that uh, the next topic I'm going to talk about, it probably won't come out this month. But, yeah, if anybody's interested, it's free. You know, go oh. read the articles and yeah dude there used to be a great podcast called revolutions uh is that kind of mm -hmm. we do like mexican like a podcast about mexican history well on a not really like on, on on instagram i just do videos about certain topics like right now i'm covering uh independence which okay. I, I it's gonna be like several parts great and on the on the patreon it's just little essays articles that i write on there about specific topics man i'm gonna, go, like, I'm gonna follow you and i'm gonna check it out so i can learn more for, for i would love that man so yeah, find his Patreon, his Instagram, his TikTok, and uh, and I'll, we're definitely going to have you on a live show when we get out to Cali. Uh, for sure, bro. All right, dude. Take it easy, man. Thank you so much. I'll talk to hey, you soon. This will be out next me, week, bro. so look for it. All right, for sure. Oh, it's for, all right, cool. Yeah, for sure. I want to show my wife. All right, bro. Take it easy, man. Right, have a good sure, bro. Thank you so much, bro, for having me. No problem. This has been a Drop Tent Media Production.